You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. Remember when we were like recording at 7.45 on a Friday morning would be so much better than recording at 6.30 on a Thursday evening? <laughs> I still think that it's better because I, I like do to have too. my Thursday evenings. Um, but some days, I don't know, maybe it's a change in season. I'm just tired these days. We're tired, but I'm also girls. not going to bed as early as I was before. Like, because <gasps> sometimes you. I get into bed and I'm like, oh, I'm going to bed early. But, you know, then I fuck around for. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> like three I, hours. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'll climb into bed at 10. And then it's like 1130. And I'm like, I have like a thing on my phone set to be like, bedtime reminder, wind down, like all this stuff. And I ignore all of them. And it's like, that's why you feel tired in the morning. Mm-hmm. Well, also, apparently with your. Um, your menstrual cycle, you like it. I feel like it changes my sleep abilities. Like, mm. there's some days where I like cannot sleep, I'm just not yeah. tired, I and then it's always like around the same time of the month. So, could, uh, be, that. could be that. Maybe, maybe we don't do the podcast on those. <laughs> those weeks sorry we're menstruating we can't possibly do the podcast this is a women-run <laughs> podcast and we actually post based on our cycle so they say you're supposed to exercise based on your cycle i don't see why we can't do our podcast based exactly on our cycle. we I gotta really, sync up though we do have we've got to sync up first and foremost second of all i need to actually get the cycle down like i need to track it's hard though especially if you do birth control it's even harder to kind of really pin down when well that's easy things- to well, I guess it depends what you're doing. If you're doing the pill, yeah. it's easy. If you're doing the pill, it's easy. Yeah. Anyways, I use the app even though they've told us not to. But I know. I was like, I don't want to use the app because I'm like, they're gonna, they're gonna come for me. I don't. <laughs> you gotta get like a special calendar just for it. I know. I'll get a big moon calendar and I hang it above my desk <laughs> so that anybody that comes into the apartment can see knows. I'll be like, oh, I'm in my, what's one of the phases? My Loodle phase right now, so. <laughs> Sorry, it's Loodle phase week. You know how that is. Um, happy Women's History Month, everyone. This Ooh. is, so ladies talking about lady things is okay. So It is more than okay. And um, we're going to continue to talk about lady things, maybe, depending on what our topics are, yes. on our podcast that you're listening to, Two Ooh. Girls, One Crossword. I'm Grace Topinka. I'm Chelsea Rowan. Yes. Um, who knows? We may have lady-oriented topics today. We may not. But here's the thing. We're both ladies, so everything's a lady topic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also uh, your favorite Podward Crosscast. Oh, shit. Yes. That sh- <laughs> it's, it's 7.45 on you forget. A, it's 7.45 on a Friday. Um, oh. shall we just get into our Polapalooza? Let's hop right into the Polapalooza. The Polapalooza is not very exciting, I hate to say. I was kind of struggling with, like, what do I poll these people on? Because last week, or last <laughs> episode, our topic was on, um, Up Talk, Vocal Fry. Oh, right? Oh, my what God. What was mine on? What were you talking about? Wow. I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> on and Off Color was the name. Colors. Right? That was last? No, no, no. No, 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 no I didn't no, post it. No. Well, that's what happens. And sometimes I make myself like really try and remember. Um, Struggles. I I'm awful. also struggling. Yeah. But anyways, <clears throat> so I used yours. Apparently mine was not poll All right. related. But I asked, what's your go-to filler word? But it's also hard to know because, you know, 
Unless someone is actively telling you, oh my God, you sound so annoying when you like say like, like. Or you know? if you listen to yourself on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of filler words though. That's my issue. Same. So options were like, you know, I definitely do, you know, actually slash basically and well, well, um, but it was a four way tie. So <laughs> damn. I feel like sometimes I want the Twitter polls to have more options so that we can really get like a I wider know. smattering of understanding. Um, but hey, I don't know how long Twitter's going to be around. Uh, it may not matter that it only has four options. But here's the thing. I think, I think my filler word is like or um. Mm. I do a lot of um. Don't we all? Yeah. I do like a lot, for sure, for sure. Um, and um, <laughs> everyone listening is like, yeah, you guys do this, this, and this all the time. All the time, yeah. Well, you know what? That's fine. I think the, the um doesn't come when I'm like chatting with you like this, mm-hmm. but because we're reading from research, I find that like, <laughs> that like, oh my God, when I'm trying to keep <laughs> up with where I am in my research or you know I finish a thought we chat and then I'm like oh where do I go next I'm like okay and um so um you know and that's kind of where that's where it all comes to play yeah well I don't think we can be faulted for that I don't I, I'm gonna I'm gonna use it more um should we it's yeah, women's that, um history month natural. so i'm gonna use as much vocal fry and up talk and likes and ums as possible so so like get so like get over it mm. shall we go into our heights and shites yes do you care if i start us start us off of course not why would i care i have no idea <laughs> um i've had an incredibly busy week so i don't have as many puzzles as i normally would but there are there's news in the cross world that I'm happy to mm. report. Um, this just it, in. This just in. If you are a longtime listener of this podcast, you might have heard us talk about the Orca Awards in the past. Um, there's the um. I'm going to think about it so much now. Okay, I'm not going to say anything else about it. The Orca Awards. We've talked about them in the past, uh, and the winners were announced while we were away. Stop laughing on the, the Zoom. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, it's fine. Um, so. The Orca Awards are an annual celebration of creativity in crosswords. And this is directly from the Diary of a Crossword Fiend website, which is amazing, by the way. If you're looking for a crossword resource, they review all of the mainstream crosswords. So if you're like, I don't know the answer to this, you can go to that, you know, blog and figure it out. Anyway, so they posted the, the winners. And this is a description of the Orca Awards from that blog. The Orca Awards were created by prolific solver Sam Donaldson to honor outstanding achievements in crossword construction and and editing. For 10 years, he determined the winners and honorable mentions in 10 different categories. So we're not going to call it every single winner, but I'll tell you some of the categories that they, you know, judge on. Mm -hmm. Best easy crossword of the year, best freestyle crossword of the year, best Sunday-sized crossword, best gimmick crossword, which is kind of the crossword that Grace and I like, mm-hmm. uh, and then best clue. And I'll, I will tell you what the best clue was for this yes. year. It's not from a puzzle that we've done, but uh, show that you're up to date, question mark. And the answer was ask out. And it was from the puzzle Taking Shape by Bryant White in Spyscape uh, from June 25th. I love uh, that. Right? And then uh, also the uh, Constructor of the Year Award went to Brooke Husick, which we cover a lot of Classic Brooke's puzzles. Classic Brooke. 
Classic. So yeah, congratulations to everybody who was who won or was honorably mentioned. Uh, congrats to Brooke for Constructor of the Year. Well-deserved. Uh, and we will include the link of the blog post for the Orca Awards in our episode description if you're curious. If you're looking for additional podcast, oh no, not podcast, crosswords to solve, then yeah, that that's what we'll do. So congrats. And you know, if you didn't get nominated, you didn't win an Orca Award, don't worry, because you might be recognized in our heights and shites. So <laughs> nice. It's true. Yeah, it's not as prestigious, um, but <laughs> some people really, you know, look forward to it. And we can send you a certificate. <laughs> for the, the low, low price of three easy payments of ninety nine ninety nine. Just pay for shipping and printing <laughs> and ink, and we got you. <laughs> and labor, of course. Of course, of course. Uh, of course. What you got, well, kid? Okay, I did the Friday, March 10th New York Times. Which I normally don't do, but you know, we were off last week. Da, da, da. Anyways, Claire Rimkis is the constructor. Nice. Um, 16 across, pantsless Disney character. Poo, obviously. Poo. I was like, wait, I'm like going through all of the bottom halves of all the Disney characters. <laughs> well, Donald Duck, too. Sure. Um, 18 across, it has a higher population of pigs than people. That's India. Iowa. All right. Iowa. That you're thinking of cows. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if there's a higher population. But yes, but I am definitely a lot of cows. cows. But um, that I feel like Iowa has a lot of pigs. That that's a trivia thing. So file that away oh, in your brain. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, Twenty one across. High on marijuana in slang, and it's not on pot as it normally is in the New York Times. It was actually baked. So shocked okay. to see that in the New York Times. Nice. Another thing I didn't know, 51 across, vehicle whose name may or may not be derived from the phrase, just enough essential parts. Jeep. J-E-E-P. Just enough essential parts. I would have gotten there. I had gotten, I'd gotten to the J and the, the first E. I would have gotten yeah. there. Wow. Okay. Um, 26 down, like singer Michelle Williams and actress Michelle Williams. Alto? No Hello. relation. Oh, shit. <laughs> just have the same name. Duh. <laughs> and then the last one from that puzzle, 36 down, service call, question mark. And the answer was amen. Nice. Very good. Cute. Uh, I will stay on the Friday 10th uh, <gasps> train, except it's the New Yorker okay. by Matthew Stock and Paolo Pasco. 12 down, Agent Cody Banks organization. And the answer was CIA, yeah, CIA. of course. Okay. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> Uh, I was obsessed with Agent Cody Banks, and the one that he went to London loved it. Um, okay, I have, a, I have a genuine question for Grace, but mostly for the listeners uh, who like yes. sports, specifically basketball. So, obviously, the New Yorker Fridays are themed, and so I thought this was part of the theme, but it very much was not a part of the theme. The theme was like, yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum, like, Avast Me Hardies was the name of this puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um which I eventually found out when I solved the puzzle, but, and then I was like, wait, what in the GDH does this clue mean? So, 22 down, blank madness, annual college basketball tournament held in St. Louis. March? You would think, right? The answer was Arch, A-R-C-H. And so, I did my due diligence. Usually, I would not look this up 
because I don't care enough, but I did. I was like, I really don't understand why it's not March Madness. And so I'm looking it up. I'm like, March Madness versus Arch Madness, or what is Arch Madness? And everything that came up was like the NCAA tournament, March Madness, everything. I couldn't find anything on Arch Madness. Is this like an insider thing? Is this like a, like, it's what is it? part of the theme. Are you sure the clue didn't have like M before it? Like there was M an, with I, there was no M's around it, and the theme had to do with the first syllables of the clued answers, and this was not, or like the themed answers, and this was not anywhere near any of the themed answers, because the themed answers mm. got highlighted. So it's like, I don't know. What Why is don't you write Paolo Mello? directly and ask? <laughs> yeah, Paolo, what in the goddamn hell are you talking I know you're about? probably really busy, but can you <laughs> yeah, clarify right? this for us? Can you tell me what this means? Um, and then 48 across... Probiotic dairy beverage, and the answer is Yakult, Yakult, Y-A-K-U-L-T, which you can get at H-Mart if you're interested. They come in these like tiny little milk carton drink containers. Mm-hmm. If you like that kind of thing, it's basically like drinking a, you know, a drinkable yogurt. Mm. Um, but if you're not a yogurt girl like me, but you want to get your probiotics, you could make it, mix it like in a smoothie or something with like fruit. I know Grace wouldn't do that either, but. No, no, no. It's tasty when it's mixed together. I, I struggle with milk yogurt consistency when it's raw. I like Greek yogurt also. That's crazy. I don't have a problem with Greek yogurt. I have a problem with people who use Greek yogurt for breakfast. It's like, oh, am I going to put Greek yogurt or sour cream on my strawberries this morning? It's like they taste the exact same. So, Well, I like to eat the flips cookies and cream Greek yogurt <laughs> little thing like every day. And it's amazing. So don't come for me. I won't. I won't. In my Greek yogurt. Only if you put plain Greek yogurt on fruit and you tell me it tastes good. I would never I eat fruit in the morning. You know that. I know. I know. You would never You would never lead me astray. Mm-mm. At least not there. Anyway, that's what I have from that puzzle. Okay. Um, speaking of, well, this is not really a gimmick, but the Sunday Washington Post, March 12th puzzle, Director's Cut. It was, um, you know, based on the Oscars because the day the, mm-hmm. the Oscars aired and I love to see it. So the there was a bunch of um, like circled letters and some of those clues would be like 24 across sternums and then in parentheses platoon. So the answer was breastbones, but stone would be circled. That's the director of platoon. Oh, okay. um, 45 across dead man's party band with a rhyming name in parentheses parasite. And the answer was Oingo Boingo with bong mm. um, circled. So it was kind of like that all the way down. And then I'm like, okay, that's cute. Like the director's names are in these things. Director's cut. They're kind of like, you know, broken up in the thing. But then mm-hmm. it says 113 across Oscar winning film whose Oscar winning director is spelled out by the letters cutting the circled Oscar winning directors. So like um, in all the other clues, like Stone, for example, was it was. ST from breast and then bones. B wasn't circled, then it was O N E. So the B broke up stone for Oingo Boingo. The I broke up bong. And then if you um, go all the way, it's a Bigelow. Okay. <laughs> and I knew, oh, because the answer was the Hurt Locker. And that's the, okay. the Hurt Locker. But I was like, because I was like, okay, that's fine. But then when the mm-hmm. end clue, you know, he tied always, it all together, he I was always like, has a little surprise. Sick at the end. End. Yeah. Classic. Some of the things I liked from that puzzle, 46 down, the most blank blank limited edition cookie released in 2023, and that is Oreo, the most Oreo Oreo, which <laughs> I would like to look up what that is. But um, for all you 
constructors out there. Blackpink did do an Oreo collab. If you need a new Oreo, um, there you go. Clue. It's a great Let's color see. combo. Black, pink. I mean, hello. It was Matchway in Heaven. Matchway in Heaven. A hundred ten across quinceanera prop was Tiara. Amazing. Tiara. Ninety nine across was Kids Blank Sheet with a Maze. Maybe it was Kids Menu. Oh my god, that was you know my life. I loved the Kids Menu. I know color on it. Go to Friendlies. You know, get the kids. Oh menu. yeah, my grandparents used to take us to Pizza Hut back when we used to like eat in Pizza Hut. <laughs> um and then third to across i'm tired of discussing this in quotes and the answer was drop it leave it on the floor that one cute from the thursday march 16th new yorker by robin robin weintraub sorry robin weintraub (laughs) sorry about the lisp there unintentional she's literally doing the gwitty i am trying my hardest um okay 26 across (laughs) pickleball court divider and the answer was net and I just have a question for you and any listeners out there. Is pickleball like a new thing? Because I feel like... I think it's been around for a while, but it's definitely having a resurgence. Like, people love it now. People are obsessed with pickleball. And I was like, what in the GDH is pickleball? And it's like tiny tennis. Tiny tennis, right? Tiny as ping pong. Like a mix between... Like somewhere in the middle. Right. People are like... I'm just going to say it. People are horny for pickleball. They are. Can you blame them? I, I don't know yet. Maybe you should take me to play pickleball and I'll let you know. Okay. Um, also from this puzzle, 62 across, one of our previous topics showed up. I did a rod vehicles. The answer was sleds. So episode 40, 144, come out on top. We, I talked about uh, the I did a rod race. Would recommend. It's kind of fun. Uh, and then four down, you can skip it. And the answer is rope because you can mm. skip rope. Nice. What, what else you got? Um, the Tuesday, March 14th, New Yorker by Wainalu. Nice. 35 across. This took over the whole, you know, was like the entire width of the puzzle. Cute. Enduring displays of affection. And the answer? Matching tattoos. Oh, <gasps> cute. We love to see it. Cute. Even though I'm too scared to get a matching tattoo. I know. Um, 12 down, guy with a boy toy, question mark. And the answer was Geppetto. That's hilarious. Right? <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, and then just, I only had two from that, but I also did the Wednesday, March 15th New Yorker by Brooke Husick, speaking of. Oh. Um, 37 across, period for focusing on practical matters to an astrologist. Virgo season. Cute. Of course. 38 across, cheesy get together. A fondue party. I should host a fondue party. My nickname's uh, Cheese for anybody who may have missed that in the many episodes. You should, and we have. We have had fondue. I actually have a little fondue container thing. And you can get fondue like cheese at Trader Joe's. It's really simple. So Yeah, so would recommend stopping you. Um 42 down, synthetic eyelash for short is falsy. Cute. And I feel like Falsy is the is a brand of fake eyelashes, isn't it? But I feel I like it's so. kind of become it's the way like Band Aid, yes, and Kleenex falsy. Yes. Um, and then the last one, fifteen across, princess with poofy buns, and the answer is Leia. But I argue that Leia's buns aren't. I wouldn't say they were poofy. They're I think like, they're rather they're tight. tightly coiled. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like she's got um, big poofy messy buns. She's got like tightly wrapped, like cinnamon roll, buns. cinnamon roll buns. Yeah, but hey, so. 
Explain yourself. Bring it up with wine, Lou. Yeah. Or no, sorry, that was Brooke Husek. Bring it up with Brooke. Brooke, constructor of the year. <laughs> Explain yourself. <laughs> Explain yourself. Uh, I'm going to end with the Thursday, March 16th, New York Times. I just want to talk about the theme. I thought it was cute. Rebecca Goldstein constructed this puzzle. Uh, the revealer for this puzzle was 63 across. Plant seen rolling through this puzzle? Question mark. And the answer was tumbleweed. And so the word weed, obviously, it's, spelled, it's not a rebus. Uh, it's spelled mm-hmm. across four squares in a square. Uh, kind of take up different themed answers throughout the puzzle but the the organization of the letters like it might be w in the lower left corner and then e above it e next to it and then d next to the w like it's tumbling and then next iteration the w is in the top left corner and it goes on Mm -hmm. that way and so it kind of tumbles throughout the puzzle but what i thought was cool is that um the themed answers reading the themed answers just as they are you're like that's not a real word it's because you have to read the themed answer with the tumbled weed throughout the puzzle for instance sorry for any listeners listening through spotify or something where you have no idea what i'm talking about i am pantomiming to grace so she's kind of picking up on this uh we're on youtube as well 17 across form of racing that requires one foot on the ground at all time and if you were just to read 17 across answer, you would read speed walking, S-P-E walking. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you read it with kind of like bumping up and following the tumbling weed, you would get speed walking. Oh, I see. Right. Um, so 26 across complicated situation. The answer reads tangle ebb. Mm-hmm. But the full answer, if you read it with the tumbling weed, is tangled web. So, very fun. And then, uh, also, just learned something. I thought this was interesting. Um, Golf's crazy. 61 across. Golfers involuntary wrist spasms while putting with, quote, the. And it's called the tips. Tips. Hmm. Apparently, that spasm you get in your wrist when you're playing golf. If you get that spasm in your wrist when you're playing golf, it's called the tips. I thought that was interesting. I wouldn't know. I'd try not to play golf. (laughs) Yeah. I've I've asked her every week and she says no. And that's just grace. And that's all I have. That's all I got. Well, I guess you should flip a coin. Oh, okay. Because I'm done too. She's done. I'm going to flip the coin now. Let's see, because I've been going second a lot lately, so I don't know who to trust anymore. (gasps) Tails. Ah, well, maybe I need to just say stuff like that and then the gods look down on her. Or positively look down. Not look down. Look down. Look down. Look <laughs> you down. know what I'm trying to say. Yes. They, they're favoring her today. My topic comes from the Sunday Washington Post by Evan Bernholz, director's cut, March 12th. Um, okay. 37 across type of musician who will lead us to reason per the lyrics to stairway to heaven and the answer the pied piper the pied piper okay another fairy tale topic which i like to do but nice i'm excited i i know nothing about this this character so well my topic is on the pied piper of hamlin is his like full title 
Um, most of my info is from a article on the BBC.com called The Grim Truth Behind the Pied Piper by Raphael Kadushin. And yes, oh Grim God. Truth, like the Grim Brothers. So oh. have you have you heard like anything about this? I've heard the Pied Piper used. But do you know what his whole deal is? I don't know if I do. I, I, I'm i curious to see if mm-hmm. any of this comes back to me. But right now, if you ask me to tell you TLDR about the Pied, Pied Piper, I'd got nothing. You got zero percent. Right. Well, um, you maybe one like when you were a kid, you watched the Disney short about him. It's from 1933. But this is the plot of the Disney version. Hmm. So it takes place in the 13th century. A piper wearing pied clothing. Pied means multicolored, like pied horses. So that's why he's the Pied Piper, because he's wearing colorful clothing. Um, He promises to rid the German town of Hamlin of a rat infestation. The mayor promises to pay him money if he succeeds. So the Pied Piper uses his pipe to lure the rats, who in the Disney version look like Mickey Mouse, into Mm. a giant cheese wheel. And then he tells the mayor, he's like, okay, I did it. And then the mayor's like, well, I'm not going to pay you. So as revenge, he hypnotizes the town's children with his um, music, the same way he hypnotized the rats. But he leads the children away into a paradise called Joyland, never to be seen again by the townspeople. Now, this is the plot of the Disney one. Yeah. And as usual, the Disney version is a little nicer than the like original version. So damn. Okay. This, we kind of went over this in our Hansel and Gretel and our Cinderella episode. Um, Disney took this story from the German book Children's and Household Tales, written in 1812 by the Grimm Brothers, also known as like the Grimm Brothers Fairy Tales. Um, and if you remember in the old episodes, it was like, it's like requi- required reading in German elementary school. <laughs> um, but also, like I mentioned in those episodes, these tales were not intended for children. Like the original mm-hmm. version of this book, it was instead a collection and documentation of german folklore that until that time had been passed like orally so right uh, but you know even though the book wasn't meant for kids because there was like magical elements because the stories often had morals um like kids and parents kind of gravitated towards mm-hmm. them so the Grimm brothers would keep rewriting the stories to make them a little more kid friendly sure. um back to some differences between the disney versus the original version so okay in the original story the rats were lured um, into a local river and drowned, not into a cheese wheel. So it's a little darker Got than it. that. The mayor accused the Pied Piper of bringing the rats into town, of like starting the infestation as like an extortion plot. Mm-hmm. Um, in the original story, the Pied Piper comes back on St. John and Paul's Day when all the adults are in church. And then he lures the children into a mountain or a cave where they disappeared forever. Oof. In the Disney version, there is a kid with crutches, and once he reaches Joyland or the paradise where the Pied Piper leads them, he no longer needs to use his crutches anymore. Hmm. Um, but in the original story, there are always three kids left behind. One was on crutches, couldn't keep up with the other kids. The other one was deaf, couldn't hear the Pied Piper music. And then the third was blind and couldn't follow the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so these three in the original version, these three kids stayed behind, and they're the ones who tell the adults what happened. Mm. But where did this folklore story come from? Yeah. What if I told you that there seems to have been a mass disappearance of children from Hamlin, Germany, and nobody knows why? (gasps) And that the Pied Piper isn't just a fairy tale, but it may be based on an actual historical event. Dude. Well. well, I'd be shocked if you told me that. (laughs) Well, I'm telling you that. And if you go to (laughs) Hamlin, Germany... 
today, you'll see that they've embraced the Pied Piper story and they use it as a tourist attraction. So a lot of bakeries and restaurants have like rat themed, you know, Cute. food. <laughs> and there's a Pied Piper festival every summer. Um, go. Then, <laughs> maybe. Um, <laughs> if you take the Pied Piper tour of Hamlin, you'll come across what they call the Rat Hunter House. There's a private residence dating back to 1602, and there's an inscription from that time on the window that reads, A.D. 1284, on the 26th of June, the day of St. Paul, St. John and St. Paul, 130 children born in Hamlin were led out of town by a piper wearing multicolored clothes. After passing the Calvary, Calvary near the Copenberg, they disappeared forever. Copenberg was like a mountain ranger hill. That's not the only evidence of the event happening. So there's an entry in Hamlin's town records dating to 1384 that says, quote, it is a hundred years since our children left. (gasps) A town gate from 1556 says in the year 1556, 272 years after the magician stole 130 children from the city, this gate was founded. The 15th century Lundberg manuscript is an early German account of the event. It mentions it. Um, And there's also a stained glass window of the St. Nikolai Church from the 17th century that depicts a Pied Piper leading several ghostly white children. Weird. So, all of these records reference a similar story of 130 children or young people vanishing on the 26th of June, 1284, following a Pied Piper to a place called Calvary or Copen. The last place the kids were seen in all of these st- stories were, was Bungalusenstrasse, which translates to a street without drums, and to this day, no music or singing is allowed to be played on the street. Wow. So, what happened on June 26, 1284? There are multiple theories. One common theory about, you know, or from, you know, lay people who are just like, oh yeah, the Pied Piper, that's probably a metaphor for like the Black Plague because it has all these rats and stuff. But mm. just clearing that up, the timeline does not work for that. Like it wasn't the right time. So it was, it's not Black Plague related, which is a common misconception. Mm. Um, but as far as like, uh, you know, more historically based theories on what happened on that day, Whipke Reimer, the project coordinator at the Hamlin Museum, says that there's a theory that it was part of a youth migration to Eastern Europe fueled by economic depression. Quote, In this scenario, the Pied Piper played the role of a so-called locator or recruiter. They were responsible for organizing migrations to the east and were said to have worn colorful garments and played an instrument to attract the attention of possible settlers. So, proof of this shows up because last names that were common in Hamlin at the time also show up in these, like, you know, where these people would have been migrating outside of Berlin Mm. and stuff. So, potentially there was a migration there. And they were specifically looking for young people? Yeah. Well, because some people say, like, the German um, translation might just also mean young people and not okay. just children. Sure. Um, at the time, there was also something known as the St. Vitus Dance, a.k.a. a dance plague, a.k.a. Sindenham's Korea, Ch- Choria, C-H-O-R-E-A. I should have looked up how to pronounce that. Um, but this was a form of mass hysteria where... The dance play could spread from individuals to large groups, and everyone would have an unshakable compulsion to dance feverishly, sometimes for weeks, often leaping and singing, and sometimes hallucinating to the point of exhaustion and occasionally death. It's a real thing. What? Um, It's more common in females than males, and most cases affect children between the ages of 5 and 15. Weird. There is a documented incident of a 13th century outbreak 
a dance fever, if you will, that occurred south of Hamlin in the town of Erfurt, where a group of youths were documented as wildly gyrating as they traveled out of town, ending up 20 kilometers away in a neighboring town. According to some stories, some of the children died shortly after, and those who survived were left with chronic tremors. Some theorize mm. that Hamlin witnessed a similar plague dancing to the figurative tune of the piper. Mm. But these theories, the mass migration and this dance fever, don't explain why everything points to a singular day of June 26, because mm-hmm. if those theories were true, it would have kind of happened over time. Mm-hmm. Um, coincidentally, June 26 was the day of the midsummer celebrations. So... There's regions in Germany where Midsummer was celebrated by lighting fires on the hills. And as many Pied Piper stories mention hills, some people believe that um, a pagan Pied Piper was leading children around during the Midsummer or during a Midsummer celebration when Christian factions, hoping to convert the pagans, massacred the kids or stole them and brought them to monasteries. So, something like that. Um, Or it could have been a natural disaster, like a mudslide that occurred during the Midsummer festivals. Mm-hmm. And you may have noticed that none of these incidents involve rats. Well, that's because the rats weren't added to the story until 1559. Mm, Maybe okay. after more more plagues had happened. So, you know, they were just adding rats in. Sure. <laughs> they were just like, bull rats. Yeah. We, we bull rats. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, rats are a big part of our history. Put them in. <laughs> so no one knows for sure what happened. So wild. But the Pied Piper legend lives on, and there are many references to it throughout pop culture, like our crossword clue mentioning Stairway to Heaven. Okay. Um, but here's some other examples. So in the 2001 film Shrek, <laughs> the Pied Piper is seen at Shrek's swamp where every fairy tale creature has gathered to escape Lord Farquaad. And then in the 2010 sequel, Shrek Forever After, mm. Pied Piper is a minor character. He is hired by the main villain, Rumpelstiltskin, to use his music to lead the rebelling ogres to their imprisonment. And the song he plays, Shake Your Groove Thing. <laughs> ABBA has a song called The Piper from their 1980 album Super Trooper. The song Lose Yourself by Eminem contains the line, best believe somebody's paying the Pied Piper, which Mm. seems to be mixing the Pied Piper with the saying pay the Piper, which some people say is not related. Most linguists say it comes from the English phrase, who pays the Piper calls the tune, or who pays the Piper calls the tune. Who pays the Piper calls the tune. Yeah. But some people say it might reference Pied Piper, but I feel like it's it's just a malafor, and it's I, like yeah. people often combine them. I feel like I've heard every British person I've ever met say that specific phrase. So yeah, um, same. <laughs> Radio songs, Radiohead's song "Kid A" has a line that goes, "Rats and children will follow me out of town." That's a reference to Pied Piper. And of course, BTS released a song called "Pied Piper" in 2017. Did they really? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I'm like, okay. Is... Let me read those lyrics and see what the hell's well, going on there. I looked it up. It's a song that's mostly in Korean. But um, so this is also fun. In the Skyrim video game, The Elder Scrolls V, there's like a little, um, whatever it's called, a task, a challenge. A side quest. A side quest. There you go. Um, A mad (laughs) magician called Hamlin, which is the name of the German town, is attempting to build an army of rat-like monsters to attack the people who mocked and imprisoned him. I remember this side quest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there you go. That's based on the Pied Piper. Amazing. Um, I'm going to end with a quote from the BBC article. All right. <clears throat> if the tale suggests a possible historical tragedy, though it also offers an artistic redemption as well. The Pied Piper story, says Reimer, 
is to our knowledge known in at least 42 countries and 30 languages, maybe more, and it appears in international art, literature, and music. The Pied Piper is a shared heritage of many, and that cultural heritage connects people. Ultimately, then, the Piper didn't just fracture community. He also, in the end, brought a larger one together. Hmm. So obviously the story, like, you know, stuck with people. It's not as popular as maybe Cinderella and Hansel and Gretel, but... Mm -hmm. I do feel like it gets referenced a lot more. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no songs about Hansel and Gretel, you know? But For sure. And that's only a couple of songs that reference the Pied Piper. Right. Obviously, it kind of lends itself to that because it's also music. But, you yeah. know, it, it dips into the sphere that everyone has of, like, losing children or, you know, people that mm-hmm. you're taking care of, of them being lured away and you, like, mysteriously and never seeing them again. Yeah. That's just wild to me that it's potentially based off of, like, a true event. And no one and knows what the vibe, like what's what was going on. It's crazy. But there's that- all these things in the town. They're like the day 130 children went missing. It's like it's how, like, what, Why? how? Like I feel like it makes a little more sense, like in contemporary time, for 130 kids to go missing, just by virtue of the fact that like transportation is easier to like move a large mass of kids from one place to another. It's much faster nowadays. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand how you could move 130 kids so fast on a singular day potentially they were killed of course but that they'd be there'd be like no remnants of them like their clothes or a shoe or a stampede like the bushes were stampeded like i don't know it's wild to me yeah which is well it could also have been something you know that did happen over time and the town just recognized it all on one day and that kind of Mm-hmm. You know, or who knows what the what really happened, but it turned into this folk story of like them all disappearing on midsummer. Mm-hmm. And I also wonder too, like, what is the translation of lost? Like, mm-hmm. did they like get lost and would never found, or were they taken from them and they just kind of had to accept that they were taken from them? You know, just I believe it was like the Christian uh, crusade type yeah. thing. That they it were seems like likely during a pagan festival. It's, yeah, they're like, um, "This isn't going to work for us." Mm. Yeah, woof. That's so interesting. You learn mm-hmm. something new every day when you listen to this podcast. I'll tell you that right now. There you go. Well, every week, every other every week. week. <laughs> <laughs> My topic comes from the Thursday, March sixteenth, New Yorker by Robin Weintraub. One down. Plaid pattern on kilts. Tartan. Tartan. I'm talking about tartan today. Mm. Um, so we're, but we're hanging out in the aisles, both of us. Well, no, I guess you're in the continent. No, I'm in no, the I'm in Germany. Sorry, 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 sorry. We're in Europe at the very least. At the um, very least. Um, yeah, I'm talking about tartan. You know, Carnegie Mellon, where my sister went to school, their mm-hmm. mascot was the tartans. Just like a plaid pattern. I don't know. That was their mascot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I should look up what... The name of their tartan is and see you should yeah i should if i had known i would have i would have done um anyway we're talking about tartan so what is tartan the official definition of the word tartan according to the scottish register of tartans act 2008 uh from section two is <laughs> as follows a design which is capable of being woven consisting of two or more alternating colored stripes which combine vertically and horizontally to form a repeated checkered pattern. That, my friends, simply is a tartan. There you have it. 
So yeah, essentially it's a pattern of interlocking stripes uh, and it's not to be confused or mistaken with plaid. This is just an aside. The word plaid actually comes from the Gaelic word for blanket. So a plaid is a blanket in Gaelic. Okay. Um, And it is specifically used in the context of Highland dress to refer to a large length of material. For example, the original kilt was known as the belted plaid, uh, and it consisted of a length of cloth, basically a large blanket, uh, that was gathered and belted at the waist. And these plaids were most often made from using tartan cloth, and so the confusion was born from that. So you would say you'd be wearing tartan, this massive tartan blanket around your waist held up by a belt, Mm -hmm. and it's called plaid in Gaelic. A blanket is called plaid in Gaelic. And you say, oh, I'm wearing a plaid, and it's like, no, you're wearing a blanket that's a tartan pattern, etc. I see. Well, we really ran with that. We, we ran. We took off. We're never coming home. So when you think of tartan, what do you think of? What do you see? Um, like a skirt. A plaid skirt. A plaid <laughs> um, skirt. Bagpipes. Green, bagpipes. red. Mm-hmm. A lot of greens and reds. Maybe some yes. yellows and blues. Yes, 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 of course. Um, other people might think of Outlander, the TV show slash book series, and Jamie Fraser. Um, the Mackenzie clan. I read the first book, got halfway through the second book. I watched the TV show and there's so much about it that I like. And clearly you would know that this is like something that I would watch, but I feel like Outlander is just more trauma porn than Mm. actual story. There's a lot of rape and I'm just like, I can't do it. I really can't. That's fair. Sadly, sadly, because I, it's exactly up my fucking street of what I would watch if all of that stuff was gone. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so you might also, when you think of tartan, you might also think of this phenomenon of clan-specific tartans or clan tartans, which are tartan designs that represent certain Scottish clans and families. Um, while this is typical, it's not always so. So just kind of like setting the scene a little bit for you. We're going to hop into like very brief history of tartan. So Scottish records from the past several hundred years refer to tartan patterns or like the various tartan patterns uh, a, a couple different ways. Modeled, marled, sun-dried colored, uh, but perhaps the most or the best description uh, comes from the Gaelic word uh, brecon. Sorry if I can't pronounce Gaelic. Uh, and brecon means checkered. So uh, this is the best way to describe tartan, right? A check-like arrangement of a tartan pattern set, uh, repeated over and over again until the desired length of cloth is achieved. Um so you got all this checkered pattern. It's really nice. Um, the earliest known tartan in Scotland can be dated to the 3rd or 4th century AD. But in other parts of the world, tartan cloth has been found dating to approximately 3000 BC. Uh, basically, anywhere that there has been dyed cloth, there has been tartan patterns. Mm-hmm. We are only going to be focusing on Scottish tartan right now, though. So mm-hmm. apologies to everyone else. Back to Scotland. For centuries, tartan was a key part of everyday garb uh, of the Scottish Highlands. So historically, Scotland has been divided essentially in half, uh, the Highlands and the Lowlands, okay? Um, And the big difference between these, one of the big differences, the language is spoken. I can't really get into everything. Anyway, so just so you know, the tartan was a huge feature of Highlander culture, so northern Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and originally, tartan designs had no names and no symbolic meanings. Uh, 
it may have been true that certain colors of tartan could be representative of certain areas just by the fact that like they grew certain berries here so they were able to dye tartan certain colors so it was more like Mm -hmm. you'd see that color in this area but it wasn't because the Mackenzie clan was like this is our specific tartan or so Mm -hmm. on and so forth that didn't come until much later um so tartan was used to make items of clothing which are today considered traditional scottish dress uh men might wear things called the pillabeg which is the traditional word for kilt or they might wear trues t-r-e-w-s which is tartan trousers they're wild like imagine like the most vibrant tartan you can and then as trousers um women wore i'm so sorry for the pronunciation uh Kurok, which is linen over their heads, fastened under their chins, okay? Or they might wear a tanag, which is a small square of tartan worn as like a shawl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they might also wear the arised, which is a long colored tartan garment, which was, you would cover your head and it would go down your shoulders, down your back, around your waist. Um, and so it was like tartan all the way down, but it was like an overcoat. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like your only form of dress. It's like you'd have your dress on, then you put the air set on on top of it and you have tartan from head to toe. Nice. And it was usually connected at the breast by a big brooch or at the waist with a belt. The earliest tartans were simply checks of only two or three colors. Uh, colors were extracted mainly from dye producing plants, roots, etc., local to a specific geographical region. And then the practice of dyeing cloth advanced, uh, and weavers were able to introduce more elaborate patterns, including more vivid colors. But tart- you might think, oh, tartan was just worn by the local people in Scotland, but it was also worn by royalty and those close to royalty. In 1471, the treasurer to King James III purchased a length of tartan to gift to the king and queen. And then King James V wore tartan while hunting in the Highlands in 1538. And King Charles II wore a ribbon of tartan on his coat of arms, or sorry, in his coat uh, at his marriage in 1662, which actually I think is kind of cute, like to have like a sash of tartan if you're Scottish. It's very nice. Uh, By the 17th and 18th centuries, tartan clothing started to be seen as a characteristic of Highland dress. Large-scale commercial weavers kind of had started production, and they were able to ship tartan all over, you know, the British Isles and the continent of Europe. Uh, the most notably, William Wilson and Sons, that's one of the big producers of tartan, they were successful um, and the sole supplier of tartan to the Highland Regiment, so the army. They began producing cloth in large quantities, and they developed standard colors and patterns early on. Because none of tartan was, like, really standardized. It was just, like, whatever you could find and whatever your weaver was able to make you. Mm -hmm. But when people started mass-producing tartan is when they started standardizing, oh, this is this type of tartan, this is that type of tartan. Mm -hmm. They first assigned numbers to identify the various patterns, but soon began to give them names. Uh, And they would give them names of highland clans, uh, but also names of, like, cities or regions Uh, and these names still at this point were not meant to be representative in any way they were just names to help classify them but where there was prosperity in highland culture there was also tension with the british i cannot cover the history of the you know the jacobite rebellion here on this podcast Mm -hmm. if you have seen outlander you know the history essentially it was like there's like a disgraced 
royal member who was like, I actually am the king of England. And he like lived in Scotland and got people like the Highlanders to help rebel. And the British were like, absolutely freaking not and squashed the rebellion. That's a very, very oversimplified <laughs> thing that was going on. But essentially, there's claims to the throne. People were pissed and blah. It all happened in Scotland. So there's a very famous battle called the Battle of Culloden in 1746, in which the British army defeated this Jacobite uprising. The British government was hell-bent on purging the highlands of its culture and crushing the clan system after this battle because the clans joined this disgraced royal, tried to rebel, and then the British government squashed rebellion and was like, you know what? F the highlands and F you too. So in, 19, in 1746, they passed an act uh, called the Act of Prescription, which made the wearing of tartan, among other things like carrying weapons, a penal offense. The act was rigorously enforced. And again, if you've seen Outlander, you know what I mean. Like Highlander culture was basically being stripped from the Scottish clans uh, and you were severely punished if you broke this act. Anyway, the act was eventually repealed in 1785, but a lot of the Highlanders had lost their enthusiasm for their traditional dress. Um, many of the weavers had died. The details of the old patterns were lost. Fragments of old tartans were rotted. And kind of like the culture was deteriorating. It's sad. Mm -hmm. But then started the Great Tartan Revival in the early 1800s. In 1819, the Wilson's Key Pattern Book was published, and it included 250 tartan patterns, about 100 of which were given names. Wilson designed some of the tartan patterns himself, but most of the patterns that were in his book, he collected from, like, word of mouth, like, Scottish people. Like, he was able to collect old tartan patterns and publish them in this book. Um, with its publication and the names given to the tartan patterns, there were Scottish expats who grew up outside of the Highlands. Uh, they became interested in preserving the Highland culture. A lot of these expats assumed that tartans had always been named and representative of actual clan affiliations. Remember, they're not at this point. If mm -hmm. you're at this point, if you're in the Highlands and you are wearing tartan, you're wearing whatever tartan you like. But the expats, after the publish publication of this book, were like, oh, this is called the Mackenzie Tartan. That must mean the Mackenzies wear this tartan. Mm -hmm. That wasn't necessarily the case. And then you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I got to get all new tartan. Exactly. So funnily, uh, the Highland Society of London wrote to Scottish clan chiefs asking them to submit samples of their clan tartans. But many of the chiefs um, had no idea what their clan tartans meant. So they would actually write to tartan suppliers being like, what is our specific clan tartan? I didn't think we had one. Um, so it's kind of like, this is kind of like when it started that clan chiefs started to be like, oh, maybe we should have a specific tartan for our specific clan. Then in 1822, King George IV visited Edinburgh and suggested that the people attend the official function wearing their respective tartans. Uh, this was called a Tartan Fest. It was partly organized by Sir Walter Scott, who's famous historian, poet, novelist. Um, I know him from The Bride of Lammermoor. I'm not sure if that rings a bell to any of our listeners. Anyway, so King George goes to Edinburgh. He's like, all the clan chiefs are coming to my party wearing their tartans. And again, the clan chiefs were like, we don't have tartans, so... They figured it out really quick. They all picked their proper clan tartan. Um, 
And it's believed that this is the event that sort of sparked the creation of many new tartans or the renaming of tartans for the occasion. And from this point forward, the idea of firmly uh, was firmly established that in order to be a proper tartan, it has to be named. And so this is kind of when clans start picking their tartans mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, Let's see. Though the idea of clan tartans came out of this 1822 tartan fest, uh, tartans can be representative of many different things. Uh, Some tartans represent families, towns, districts, corporations, individuals, events. It could be anything. What makes a tartan official or authentic is not age or antiquity, uh, but whether it is approved by a specific governing body. Not like a tartan governing body, but Mm -hmm. like... For instance, if the CEO of our company was like, this is our company's tartan, Mm -hmm. and it has this name, that is now an official tartan, if that Mm. makes sense. Okay. Okay. So what exactly is a clan tartan? Um, It's not necessarily the tartan that your ancestors would have worn 100 years ago. Highlanders traditionally would have selected any tartan, like I said before. Um, However, it is a fact that tartans today have a meaning. And so when you wear a tartan, and it has a name, it's probably named that for a specific clan now, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, most today will select a tartan based on what they're feeling or for some um, clan affiliation. You don't have to wear your clan-specific tartan unless it's required by your clan, like on a function day or something. Mm-hmm. So you can wear any tartan that you like. But if you wear the Mackenzie tartan, it's likely because you are from the Mackenzie clan. Mm. Let's see. There are other types of tartan. There are dress tartans, which um, is what Brooke Shields wore in um, that uh, Netflix a Christmas movie. A castle for Christmas. A castle whatever. for Christmas, yes. Uh, originally worn by women. Generally, uh, they would have like lighter patterns, but it can be any dress that's made out of tartan. There's mourning tartans, like M-O-U-R. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally black and white. There are hunting tartans, which are dark in color, worn for sports specifically. Um, and then there's chief tartans, which is for personal use of the chief and his immediate family only. Ooh, okay. Exclusive. Yes. I am going to send you five pictures of okay. the five most famous tartans, and we're going to talk a little bit about them. So yes, the, these are. I'm going to talk about the five most famous or five of the most famous tartans in Scotland, and just some very general history. The first is the Royal Stuart. Uh, this is Scotland's most famous tartan, and it. I feel like when you look at it, it feels like, oh, this is tartan. This is like mm-hmm. kind of like a very Scottish vibe, right? Um, the Royal Stuart comes from the Royal House of Stuart, uh, which was founded by King Robert II, who came from a long line of Scottish kings. The Royal Stuart tartan uh, is also or was also the personal tartan of Queen Elizabeth II. Um, which might explain why the tartan became so popular because of her. Uh, in theory, the tartan was not allowed to be worn unless you had express permission from the queen. Mm. But things became more lax uh, as time went on. And the tartan, uh, you know those those uh, shortbread cookies that have like a tartan pattern on the 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 bag? Or like mm-hmm. the, the, the... That's Royal Stewart. So it's been used everywhere. People don't ask the royal family to use it, and they're pretty chill about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, Again, describe the colors. Yes, it is red and green, I think, are the main colors. But then there are alternating stripes of blue, yellow, and white as well. It's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. The next 
Mm, that's my favorite one. So nice. It's called the Black Watch. And this one looks, it's different color, different shades of blue and green uh, with um, some like darker, I wouldn't say black necessarily, but gray maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very nice. And the checks on this one are smaller, I think, than the checks on the black or on the Royal Stewart. They're uniform. They're more uniform. The Royal Stewart had kind of like longer lines mm-hmm. and bigger boxes, whereas the Black Watch one is much more uniform. So the Black Watch tartan comes from the infamous infantry battalion of the Regiment of Scotland. Uh, although it was originally known as the Government Tartan and Grant Hunt Tartan, the name Black Watch name may have come from the dark tartan uniforms that the battalion used to wear. This is darker, so now it's called the Black Watch Tartan. Uh, There are also theories that suggest that the name is referring to the black hearts of the pro-government militia who sided with the enemies of Scotland. Mm. Um, Yes, so the Black Watch Battalion started wearing the tartan in the 1700s, meaning that the Black Watch tartan has now been worn by Scottish soldiers for nearly 300 years, which is crazy. Um, And similar to the Royal Stuart, the Black Watch was originally not supposed to be worn by anybody other than the soldiers, but it has changed in modern times. I feel like this is like school uniform skirt. Yes, 100%. Yes. So this is the Ramsey tartan. Um, So the original Ramsey tartan is red, black, and white. So it's big blocks of red, thick stripes of black, uh, and then small stitching of white. And I think it's like a very basic plaid. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think of like a black and white or... A black and red plaid, like on a man's shirt, you might think of this pattern. Okay. So it's originally red, black, and white, but you might also see it called Ramsey blue, in which case it is blue, black, and white, which I like the the Ramsey blue a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. I like that shade of blue. Uh, The Ramsey tartan comes from the Ramsey clan, which is situated in the lowlands of Scotland, just south of Edinburgh. The clan played a pivotal role in several Scottish wars, including the Wars of Scottish Independence, the Anglo-Scottish War, and even various civil wars. The Ramses were proud to call two castles their home, Brecon Castle in Angus and Dalhousie Castle in Midlothian. (laughs) Um, Famous Ramses include uh, Chef Gordon Ramsay. Okay. He's part of the Ramsey clan. Uh, Scottish poet Alan Ramsay and John William Ramsay, a Scottish uh, politician. Hmm. So the next is called the Hamilton Gray. Hmm. And this one is, like the name may or may not suggest to you, a gray colored tartan. So it has various shades of gray, like a lighter gray, a darker gray, and then it's cut by some kind of vibrant white mm-hmm. stripes. The Hamilton Gray Tartan comes from the Hamilton clan, who, although were originally loyal to the English, eventually became loyal supporters of the famous Robert the Bruce. Uh, following the Battle of Bannockburn, the Hamiltons were awarded the town of Cadzal, uh, which they soon renamed Hamilton, a name that it's still called today. Uh, let's see. In the town, uh, the Hamiltons resided in Hamilton Palace, which at the time was the largest non-royal residence in the whole of Europe. Just wild. Wow. Uh, And then the last, I keep mentioning the Mackenzie Tartan, and Mm. that's the last one we're going to be talking about. It's called the Mackenzie Modern, which comes from the Mackenzie clan. It's got some really dark blue, a nice emerald green, and it's cut with stripes of white 
and bright red. So yes, comes from the Mackenzie clan, and the Mackenzies were originally situated in the highlands of Scotland in the Kintail Mountains. Uh, and although they were supporters of Robert the Bruce, much like the Hamilton clan, the Mackenzies were notorious for fighting with other clans and had well-known feuds with the Monroe and MacDonald clans. Although they supported the Jacobite Rising, many of the Mackenzies were divided and there were plenty of infightings in the clan. If you've seen Outlander, the Mackenzie clan is heavily featured in Outlander. Nevertheless, the clan survived, they're still going today, and the chief of their clan still lives at Castle Leod, which is a big feature in Outlander as well. So yeah, I want to end by saying I found a really fun TikTok account called USA Kilts. Mm. In which case, they do these really fun TikToks where they'll like, go to their employees and be like, okay, what's the best tartan for Christmas? What's the best? They did one for Valentine's Day. So yeah, I I've will, um, I'll try to remember to put one of the TikToks in the episode description for you to see. But there are so many different tartans and there are so many different cool names for the tartan. Um, and I'm kind of like, I want to do everything tartan now. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, my cousin-in-law's dad is Scottish, and he wore a kilt, like, you know, because that's their formal wear to a yeah. wedding. And it's like, you look so sharp. Right? What, like, do you know what the, do you remember what the clan name was? You don't have to say it, but do you remember? No, I don't remember. I want to say the it was, like, blue and green, but I don't remember. That's cool. I but he, And he had the little, like, um flask thing. I don't know what it is, like the round yeah. bag. Yeah. I don't know. It looks yeah, like Yeah, that's a, very traditional as well. Yeah. Um, I, doing this research, I remembered that my dad had, my dad's really into Ancestry.com and he like traced our family back to various parts of Europe and mm -hmm. on, um, his mother's side. So my grandmother's side, he discovered that like one of our ancestors came from Scotland. And so all last night I was texting him to like try and figure out what the, the, the <laughs> clan the name clan? was. Yeah. And I figured it out. And we looked at like all of the certificates of um, them leaving Scotland in the 1600s to move to northern ireland from they lived in ulster londonderry where dairy girls is you mm -hmm. know um based and then eventually settled in great old pennsylvania so that's <laughs> how we got here and so of course i found the clan tartan and i have yarn in those colors and i think i'm gonna do i'm gonna crochet some tartan um you know cup holders out of them cute which, man crocheting tartan though that's I found some I mean, patterns. Yeah. And it looks tricky, but it's basically just color work. Yeah. It's just a lot. But just to have I, the yeah. amount of colors. You see how many colors there are. And like the shading, I think, is going to be the hardest part. Like when the colors yeah. connect. When the colors in Tartan cross over one another, it's not like big, heavy blocks of color. Like it almost like looks interwoven. like interwoven. It's really nice. Um, but yeah. So now I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to Scotland and find my clan. And be, and be like, like hey. hey guys, hello. So, <laughs> I'm do I get a castle now? Like, okay, give me all of the tartan. Thank you. Well, I wish you luck in that. And send me, I want to see a picture of your tartan, your ancestral tartan. Say, so send will. it over. <laughs> this is white culture. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we take who we can get. Yes, we do. Um, well, very cool. Yeah. Makes me want to wear a plaid skirt. Right? I love Or should I love. tartan skirt? Yeah. Imagine. It makes you want to wear a really plaid. Annoying. Yeah. Which is You're like, um, actually, it's tartan. So. So. Mm. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, seriously. Thanks. That 
that was fun i think <laughs> um if you want to talk to us you can find us on twitter at the good eve girls or instagram at the good evening girls or tiktok at the good eve girls and if you notice some of you might actually be here from tiktok um, oh but yeah we have been posting some tiktoks about different topics that we've done and it's been mm-hmm. fun to look back on some of the things we yeah. you know talked about and like i feel like some some we we uncover some interesting trivia so it's fun to share it with the world but it is it is and if you are here from tiktok thanks for hopping over i appreciate yeah. you and for listening to the very end of the episode this is a special <laughs> shout out just for you so thank you stick around uh yeah so come on down uh and as always keep mm. curious we will be here again at another time promise yes um at some time <laughs> in the future who knows yes. when maybe next who week maybe in two when? weeks yes um, but, but we will see you then catch you on the flip side bye, bye.